With an important reminder for servants of God, here's Pastor John Randall. If God uses us to do anything, as we are his servants, we must realize that it's all about him and it is all for him. The moment that we think that it's about us or we draw people's attention to us is the moment that the work of the Spirit of God will be quenched in our lives and we forget that we are servants and the Lord is the master. I want my life as a servant of Jesus Christ to be wrapped up in the life of my master, of my savior, of my Lord, of my Jesus. Thanks for being a part of today's edition of A Daily Walk with Pastor John Randall from Calvary South OC. Today, Pastor John once again takes us to chapter 17 of Luke's gospel. The Bible is a wonderful gift from God. One of the things about this great book is how practical it is. Today's look at Luke 17 is another example of the practicality of God's Word. Here's Pastor John with a few practical lessons for disciples, and one of them is regarding forgiveness. Sometimes we say, well, I forgive you. But let me tell you something, I will not forget about this. <laughs> Sometimes happens with married couples. When they get into a heated time of fellowship, Intense fellowship. They become, may I say, historical. Not necessarily hysterical. Some do, but historical. Do you remember? This happened, what day is it? This happened on December, you know, and, and of 1990. Wow, I had, I don't remember that, but okay. The Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs. It forgives. Let me ask you this question before we proceed. Perhaps this weekend there is someone who has wronged you. They have hurt you, and the Lord wants you to forgive them. Remember what the Lord has forgiven you of. Remember what God has done in your life. Well, they don't deserve it. (laughs) Did you? Do I deserve God's forgiveness? No. I'm not asking God to give me what I deserve. I know what I deserve. I'm asking him to give me mercy and he has forgiven me. Jesus exhorts his disciples to live a life of forgiveness. When they heard this, they made a request to Jesus. They said, Lord, um, we need you to increase our faith on this point. Lord, you've got to help us out. You've got to help us to trust in you. They said, increase our faith in verse five. And Jesus responded by saying to them, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by its roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. On another occasion, Jesus talked about a mountain being removed. When the disciples asked Jesus to increase their faith, they were in essence saying, Lord, develop our faith, supplement our faith, help it to grow in this area. Because in the area of forgiveness, your faith will be tested and love will be tested. Love is that which motivates us to forgive, but faith is that which activates the forgiveness. And I believe that this was a request of humble dependence by the disciples. They knew that in and of themselves, they would not be able to forgive the way Jesus told them to forgive. And so they said, Lord, you got to help us to trust in you on this point. Lord, you got to increase our faith. We know that you can enable us to do that. And Jesus pointed to a mustard seed as an example of faith. And by doing so, the mustard seed being the the smallest, one of the smallest seeds, 
He wasn't saying that it's so much the, the size or the quantity of your faith, but the quality of your faith, the object of your faith. Our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is in the object of our faith, which is God. God alone is the object of our faith. Faith isn't the power in itself, but rather connects us to the power, which is the Lord himself. That's where the power is. The power is in the Lord. And faith is just a vehicle that connects me, as it were, to the power of God. The Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. It's, it's trusting in the Lord. It's not something that, that I can generate in and of myself. It's not something that I can positively confess or try to speak something into existence into my life by faith or I don't have enough faith. Faith is trusting in a powerful God, a God who is not limited by anything. So whether my steps of faith are in the area of forgiving someone who's wronged me, or it's perhaps going in a direction in my life that God is leading me, or it's, it's waiting for that person that I've been praying for to be my husband or wife, you might say, if you're single here today. Well, whatever it is, it's faith in God. It's faith in God's ability. It's trusting in him. God who knows what's best for me. Lord, increase that in my life. Lord, develop that kind of faith in my life that will trust in you, that will rest in you, that will believe that, that you have been and you cannot be anything less than faithful. Increase our faith. Maybe today you are in a season where your faith is being tested. Your faith is being refined. And you are having to learn to trust in God in ways that perhaps you've never had to trust in him before. But it is in that very place that your faith is developed, that your faith increases, that you learn to trust in God. When your faith is tested, when your faith is stretched, your faith will grow. And you cannot, in those times, lean upon your own understanding. You just can't. Because your understanding is limited. Mine is limited. But praise the Lord, my God's understanding is infinite. It knows no boundaries. And so I must trust in God rather than lean on my own understanding. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Are you seeking God today? Are you resting in God today? Are you trusting in God today? Paul said in writing to the Romans in chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Trust the Lord. Believe what he has said. Take the promises found in God's word as your own. They're for you. And he said, I don't know if I can do this. You can't. But with God, you can trust in him. The Bible says, trust in the Lord. Thus far, observing the practical lessons, a caution against stumbling other people. That is important. Secondly, a command to forgive those who have offended us. And then there is a call for the increase of faith. Now Jesus discusses the humility and faithfulness of the servant. This is also important and very practical, beginning in verse 7. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down here to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, Gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and then afterward you will eat and drink. 
Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Jesus now begins with a cultural example that the disciples would be very familiar with. For in that culture, it was not uncommon for a master to have a servant to oversee the field or the livestock or to be in charge of the care of one's home. That was their job. They were called bond servants, bond slaves. Their obligation, their life was was wrapped up in the life of their master. And as the servant would go about his jobs that he was given, his responsibilities, when he had completed that, he wasn't looking for something or expecting something. It was just what he was called to do. He wasn't anticipating being elevated. He was a servant. And a servant's life, as I said, was wrapped up in the life of his master. Now keep in mind in the context of this chapter that the Pharisees were all about self-promotion. They lived in, in a way of self-aggrandizement. They, their desire was to be seen by men. They wanted the recognition of the people. They went out of their way to be acknowledged, to be praised, rather than to give glory to God and remain humble. And so what Jesus says in this story is when that servant has done all that he was commanded to do, he was just to give the glory to the master. I just did what, what was my job to do. I wouldn't say, look, look at what a great servant I am. Look at how awesome I am at serving. Have you seen what a great servant I am? He didn't do that. He just simply said, I just did what was my job to do. I'm a servant and I serve my master. I have found in my own life that this particular passage is a great reminder for me and for any person really who desires to serve the Lord in any capacity. That if God uses us to do anything, as we are his servants, we must realize that it's all about him and it is all for him. The moment that we think that it's about us or we draw people's attention to us, is the moment that the work of the Spirit of God will be quenched in our lives and we forget that we are servants and the Lord is the master. I want my life as a servant of Jesus Christ to be wrapped up in the life of my master, of my savior, of my Lord, of my Jesus. It's not about us, is it? (laughs) It's about him. Don't forget that. We're just unprofitable servants, man. Everything that I'm doing, God enabled me to do. So what can I take credit for? Really? I mean, every, everything that you're enabled to do, everything you're called to do, who gave you the ability to do what it is you're doing? God did. So where do we think that we can take bows for God or somehow take God's glory from him? It ultimately belongs to him. The psalmist understood this. In Psalm 115, he said, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name, Give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. The prophet Jeremiah understood this very clearly in Jeremiah chapter 9. He said, but let him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in this I delight, says the Lord. You want to glory in something? Glory in Jesus. Give the praise and the honor and the accolades to the one to whom they belong. They belong to the Lord. I was thinking about this passage and it reminded me in First Chronicles chapter 29 when King David was passing on the kingdom to his son Solomon 
and he was preparing, or at least had made preparation, for the building of the temple. David, in some of his final words, was giving glory to God. And David was a king like no other in Israel. I mean, there was no other king like David. He was really the standard for all the rest of the kings who followed in succession because he had a heart after God. But David, at the end of his life, he said this. He said, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all these things come from you and of your own you have given. For we are all aliens and pilgrims before you as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are like a shadow without hope. And then he said this, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and it's all your own. David says, in essence, everything that we have, master, is from you and it's because of you. That's somebody that understands who deserves the glory and who deserves the praise. John the Baptist, I believe, understood this as well. When he was asked during his earthly ministry, are you the Messiah? It would have been very easy for John to say, well, you know, we are related. And uh, so technically you could say that I got a little messianic thing going on. He didn't say that. He basically responded by saying, I'm just a voice, not even a name. I'm just a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John would say, I'm not worthy to get down and untie my master's shoes. He must increase. I must decrease. In the book of Acts, I believe the apostles understood this very well. Right after Peter and John had healed that lame man there in the gate near the temple, the people gathered around almost in a fervor of worship for Peter and John for what had happened. And Peter quickly responded to the people and he said these words. He said, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look at us so intently as though by our own power or our godliness we've made this man walk? He said, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. In other words, Peter said, don't look here, look there. If you want to glory in something, glory in the Lord. We don't do anything that God doesn't allow us to do, that God enables us to do. And so we give him all of the praise and the adoration. The Apostle Paul also understood this. And I love this scripture. It means so much to me. And it is, in one sense, a reminder and a warning as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, he said this, We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants, for his sake. Paul said, we're not here to preach our name. We're not here at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano, to point you to John Randall. That would be a shame. We're here to point you to Jesus Christ. We're not here to even point you to Pastor Chuck Smith who's gone home to be with the Lord. We're here to point you to Jesus Christ. That's the one who deserves the glory. And anything that we do in the name of the Lord is because of the Lord. And we must remember this. Jesus said, we're just, said, listen, this is what you're to say. We're just unprofitable servants. We're just doing what was our, was our job to do. The responsibilities that God gave us, we did it as unto him. Finally, in verse 11, now it happened. As he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their eyes and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, 
Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus then said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. As Jesus was still traveling, getting closer to Jerusalem, he's in an area of Samaria and Galilee. And as we read, there were 10 lepers who saw Jesus from afar off and they begged him to show them mercy. The life of the leper was a miserable life. One historian said, quote, it was as if they were in effect dead men. They were medically incurable. They were socially ostracized and they were religiously cut off from worship. Many of them were told that the reason they had leprosy was because God was judging them, which nothing was further from the truth, maybe in some cases, but, but it was as if you lived with that stigma. The reason you're sick is because God's judging you. God is displeased with you. And they lived with that. Leviticus 13 tells us that a leper would have to wear torn clothing, covering his face and leaving his hair unkept. We also know historically that a leper, when he was come into a certain area where people were congregated, he would lift up his voice and shout at the top of his lungs, unclean, and everyone would run from them. It was a miserable life. And yet these lepers knew that their only hope was that Jesus would show them mercy. And so they begged him for mercy. They, they didn't say they were worthy of a healing. They didn't say that they deserved it. They just said, Lord, would you give us what we don't deserve? Would you give us mercy? Leprosy in the scripture is a type and a picture of sin. And the reason is because leprosy begins underneath the skin. It, it starts inside and it makes its way to the outside. And over time, it deadens your senses to pain. You don't feel pain. Sin is much the same. It starts within, but it doesn't last there. It, it makes its way to the surface and you don't hear the voice of the spirit anymore. And you're not in tune with what God's doing. And it makes everything unclean and things are destined for the fire, as Leviticus tells us concerning the leper. And yet these lepers saw that Jesus was coming and they begged him for mercy. And I love these words. It says that Jesus saw them. Don't miss that. It's easy to read over that. Jesus saw them. He observed them. He knew the condition that they were in. He knew that they were helpless without him. And so he showed them mercy. Just like he showed us mercy. In our condition, apart from Jesus, we are lost, friends. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us, the Bible says. It is because of God's mercy. Jesus said, I want you to go to the priests and I want you to show yourselves to them. This is a different healing of these lepers than Jesus had done previously. In a previous encounter with a leper, Jesus actually touched the man, you remember? Touched him and said, be cleansed and he was healed. But on this occasion, he heals him differently. He says, just go show yourself to the priest and as you go, you'll be cleansed. And when they left, their bodies were clean. They were made completely whole. One man, one Samaritan out of the 10, the rest were Jews. One Samaritan who was healed of this leprosy came running back and he fell at the feet of Jesus and he began to worship and praise him for the healing that he had received. He was thankful. And when Jesus saw him, he says, where's, where's the other nine? Where are they? Only one man came back 
And Jesus said, not only was this man healed, but he was saved. Your faith has saved you. Let me ask you something today. In light of this picture, you've experienced the mercy of God. Are you a thankful person today? Are you a whiner? Are you a complainer? Do you moan and groan about all of the miserable things that you have in your life or don't have? Friend, if you've been shown the mercy of God and salvation, you have much to be thankful for, more than you deserve, and that you could spend your eternity thanking God for your salvation. This last week, as I said, spending time in a foreign land, you become very aware of how much you actually take for granted and how grateful you ought to be as opposed to how ungrateful you can be. Seeing people build homes on the side of hills out of whatever they can find in conditions that are completely unhealthy. And you realize, once again, what am I complaining about? When you look and see a flash across the the news of what's going on in the Philippines and you quickly turn the channel to watch the game, you forget how easy it is to lose sight of how blessed you are. There are people suffering in places and we don't even know anything about. Folks, we need to be a thankful people. We need to be a grateful people. It was Charles Spurgeon that pointed out concerning this. He said, 10 men prayed and only one man praised. It was Oswald Chambers that observed the great difficulty spiritually is to concentrate on God and it is his blessings that make it difficult. Troubles, he said, nearly always, trouble always makes us look to God. His blessings sometimes are apt to make us look elsewhere. If the Lord has delivered our souls from judgment, we ought to let others know about it. We ought to be thankful. You've been listening to A Daily Walk with our pastor and teacher, John Randall. We're going through the Gospel of Luke right now. To get the CD that contains today's message for a cost of $5, go online to adailywalk.org or call us at 877-242-0828. That toll-free number once again, 877-242-0828. We also house our recent programs at adailywalk.org, and you'll find them on our mobile app as well. Do a search for Calvary South OC and download it for free today. At the beginning of a new year, it's a great time to kickstart your devotional life with the Lord. And we'd like to get a great devotional into your hands to help you along. It's A Daily Walk for Women by Michelle Randall, Pastor John's wife. Recently published and expanded to 366 readings, you can now be encouraged each day for this new year. Maybe request one or two extra to give away. Request a daily walk for women for the special price of $15 when you call 877-242-0828 or go online to adailywalk.org. Please remember, it's your generosity that helps us remain a biblical voice on stations like this one all across the nation. With your help, we're delivering God's good news at a critical time in human history. No gift is too small to be used by God in great ways. Again, our number is 877-242-0828, or you can donate online at adailywalk.org. You know, we're reminded on a continual basis that the Lord is doing great things through the radio and the internet today. And maybe he's doing something amazing in your life. We want to hear about that. 
Pastor John would be very encouraged by what you have to say. Write to us today by email at adailywalk at gmail.com. That's adailywalk at gmail.com. And we'll leave you today with this story. Finally, I close with this story concerning being thankful. John Wesley, 13 years before his conversion, he had a conversation one evening with the porter of his college that deeply impressed him and convinced him that there was more to Christianity than as yet he had found. And Wesley discovered that the man had only one coat and that nothing had passed his lips that day except for a drink of water. And yet his heart was full of gratitude toward God. Wesley said to this man, you thank God when you have nothing to wear, nothing to eat, and no bed to lie upon. He said, what else do you thank him for? And this man responded by saying, I thank him that he has given me my life and being and heart to love him and a desire to serve him. Are you thankful this morning? The Bible encourages us to come before the Lord with thanksgiving and with praise. We have much to praise God for. So I encourage you, as I encourage myself, let us not whine. Let us not moan nor complain as the nation of Israel did over what God had provided. But let us be thankful. Let us praise Him for our salvation and all of the other benefits that we can never fully calculate this side of heaven. We're talking about the coming kingdom next time on A Daily Walk with John Randall. See you then. A Daily Walk is a presentation of Calvary South O.C.